Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Welcome to episode 11 of the 9 to 5 Killers podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. I have two very special guests today. I have Alicia and Sadiqi of Acute Inflections. It is a pleasure to have you guys here. Welcome to the show. We're good. Thanks for having us. <laughs> That's very excited. I've watched you guys perform many times, always been blown away, but I'm curious. What is the story of how you guys started this amazing group? Well, it was kind of by accident. Uh, I, was, I, I was asked to do a showcase and I wanted to bring something a little different and have the upright bass be involved. And uh, the day of the performance... Only the piano player, we're supposed to have had a full band, but only the piano player and Siddiqui and myself showed up. The piano player was like, you guys should just do it by yourself. And we said, no, you should play with us. So when we actually started to perform, he started to play and then he stopped. And he folded his hands, crossed his hands, and we ended up having to just do the entire performance by ourselves. But that kind of birthed the interest in just bass and voice, we ended up getting um, a booking a couple events of events, and um, it kind of just snowballed, you know. And what's your take on? It? Um, and I want to pronounce your name. Now like you actually pronounce it for me. I ain't gonna <laughs> well, try. That. My name is pronounced Siddiqui. I thought it was Siddiqui, but I just wanted to make sure. Oh, you can watch mine. You That's can cool. watch mine. But I'm sorry. <laughs> we got we got to look out for each other out here. Oh. <laughs> got to look out. So. In uh, Siddiqui, in your in your opinion, when when this happened with the piano player, did you take it as a sign, or no? I, I was personally upset because, you know, L. I met her because of the Broadway show. She's like a professional. Um, music was always something that was a hobby to me. So when she asked me to do this, I'm like, hey, this whole band is professionals, and I don't really belong, you know, talent wise, and you know, as far as an education and seriousness and all that i don't really belong on stage with you guys so them not showing up and then me being forced to play and then the piano playing players stopping i had a completely different perspective i felt you know betrayed up there like <laughs> wow y'all just exposed me like this like i'm just the only one playing and you're singing and uh you know I, I, I didn't know what to make of people actually asking us to do this again without the rest of the band you know and it, it probably took she was i think receptive almost immediately and it took me maybe six months a year before i realized like okay i guess i guess people like this i don't know wow really because when i see you guys play i would have never guessed that mm. you the way you handle yourself both of you guys on stage is you engage with the crowd and i don't know how long it took you guys to get to that level um, but when i saw you it was at this hotel i don't remember the name of it it's in it was the Palace Hotel. The Palace Hotel. Yeah. So I'm at the Palace Hotel and I'm walking by and they tell me that, that you know, acute inflections are going to perform. And I don't think that I knew per se that that's what you guys were. And then I'm walking by and I'm like, wait, I know. I know this woman. <laughs> <laughs> and then I look at you and I look at you guys together and then you guys start playing and I'm listening. And so from that, from that onset, I'm thinking, 
this has been something you guys have been doing for a long time. How, how long have you guys been doing it for? For six years now. Six years. Yeah. And how long before you guys got the rhythm? Like, the, in, I should say the rhythm into what you're doing and feeling comfortable with each other. Oh, I'd say a year into it. Um, it, it slowly became a business for us. You know, that's something that we can devote ourselves to full time, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably about a year and a half in, I'd say. You probably left your job a year and a half in and me another year later. Okay, so what were you, what, Alicia, what, Alicia, what were you doing, Alicia, what were you doing before so, you uh, started uh, Acute Inflections? So right before Acute Inflections, I was, um, I was doing sales for a cruise line, a, a city cruise line, you know, booking little birthday parties and bridal showers and things like that. So I was in the event scene for a little bit. And actually, one of our first, I guess one of our first cruise performances were was on the, the boat. <laughs> Yeah. And so what made you decide to to leave this job? Uh, how long were you there for? I was there three years, um, two, a year and a half on board and a year and a half in the office. But honestly, I always wanted to be a business owner. And they sat me down one day and asked me what my five-year plan was. And I said within it, to run my own business. Oh, at the, at the cruise line? At the cruise line. <laughs> and it's like, I think, I think that was the day that I had my, the writing on the wall because their faces dropped and I wouldn't be surprised. I think later that year, the end of the season, like around New Year's is when they let me go. Oh, they let you go. They were like, yeah, this, you gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> wow. like, we had just, we were just shooting our, our first music video mm -hmm. around that time. And so they can, I had business cards that I was showing everybody in the office. So mm -hmm. I, they definitely smelt <laughs> the entrepreneurial spirit happening. <laughs> the nine to five killing taking oh place. Oh my God. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Diggy, how about you? What were you doing before you left? Uh, I was in the mortgage business, so not as exciting as the cruise thing. I don't know if it's not exciting. Like, so the mortgage business, what what, what, what about it made you, because you were doing it for how long? Uh, maybe, I don't know, 12, 13 years by the time I met her. So I, I was very much fed up and tired of, you know, credit reports and looking at tax returns and stuff. So so do you, yeah. would you say that you are, because I know, I know that sometimes when people are at a, a certain uh, point in their life, they see themselves as like, I, I never saw myself as an artist, right? Mm. So when the first time somebody asked me to shoot um, photography professionally for them, I don't know how, I didn't know how I took it. So how do you go from being like, so you're dealing in mortgage, which, which is like, there's not artistry right, at all, right? right. To, <laughs> yeah. to being an artist. Like I see you, I, I don't, I just see an artist when I see you guys, the way you yeah, dress, I mean, yourself. I, I still struggle to this day with being seen as an artist because it's just not, it's not what I see in the mirror, but I know people like you, you know, that's all you've, that's all you've seen of me. That's all you've, you know, so yeah. I now I have to acknowledge and give her a lot of credit for bringing that side of me out um, and, and encouraging it. And I think everybody probably has an artistic side. Some of us probably have more talent and ability and opportunity than others, but many of us do get stuck kind of in the rat race, you know, having to pay bills and we don't get to, you know, water those seeds and see what would bloom. So, you know, I, was fortunate that she she helped do that because you because you know what I, I feel I feel like sometimes what, what it is is people they think they're their jobs right so when you think you're your job you have to be serious so I remember 
the way I would dress to go to like a corporate event, I felt like I had to dress a certain way. And I was working in um, Lord and Taylor and I was a junior web designer. And I remember going to work and, and they were like, where's your tie? Where's your collar? And I'm like, but I'm on the web. Nobody sees me. I don't understand. So I started just coming in. Like I took like a Steve Jobs kind of note. Like, you know, he comes in the all black. I started wearing like black turtlenecks mm -hmm. and I wear a blazer. And I remember that even when it was a meeting, I would still, at some point I had like um, a button up shirt, um, like in the closet, always like press just in case. Mm -hmm. and, I, and then I started, with, I started putting it on when the, C, the CFO wanted to talk to me. And then I said, you know what? I'm not doing it. So I just went in and they had a high, a no tolerance for like not dressing a certain way. Mm. And he took the meeting with me and the first thing he apologized for like, sorry, I've been, you know, CFO for this company for like uh, two months and I haven't seen you yet. That's the only thing he said. Mm. And after that, I just stopped. Like if only when I want to wear a tie and shirt and tie, do I do it. Mm. So now I do it and it's a different connection around when I dress up now. Like we talked earlier and uh, you guys were talking about there is a, when it comes to dress, I love the way you guys dress. Your style is amazing. And now, a day, people don't do that anymore. Yeah. And one of those things is because I think people feel like they're forced. So what makes you guys dress and just have this like flair and excellence that I see? On top of loving, I guess, fashion, there is, a, there is an energy that we're sensing and, and experiencing when we walk the streets, even today, we were walking from the, our the parking garage to the Rainbow Room. And just the way that people look at you on the street, make room for you while you're passing them on the street, you know, uh, passing by uh, an employee and their in posture or their, their countenance just completely lights up because they're seeing, I guess, quality pass by in front of them. I don't know, there's, a, there's an air of respect that just comes naturally. We're not seeking it, but those are the fruits of putting on an ascot versus a t-shirt. <laughs> well, also the way you guys uh, carry yourselves also, because I've seen people dress up and there's something missing, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I remember there was a, a group of guys that I wanted to hang out with because I like to dress up. And I thought that, you know, they dress up and I'm like, we have a lot in common. I'm mm -hmm. gonna hang out with these guys. And then when I hung out with them and I saw what they were talking about mm -hmm. and it was just like, you know, you could have the, the trappings of mm -hmm. clothing and not really have any kind of, we had no, was no evolved conversation. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay, this isn't cool. But when I see you guys, it's like you guys radiate some kind of energy comes out and then, you know, the way you, like, I believe when I saw you guys on Saturday, like a few Saturdays ago, and I can't say Shay Luzian, I think that's the name of it. Mm -hmm. I'm not beating up the name. They got so many different names to that place now. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Harlem. Guys, Harlem. <laughs> it's in Harlem, right? <laughs> so they have like three different names that I don't remember all of them. So I saw you guys come in and you were going to perform. And I, I, I actually was in a rush to get to go somewhere, but I stopped. I said, no, I got to stay. And people were like, you just said you were leaving. I'm like, well, you guys are in for a treat because, and then what you guys did that I thought was super cool is you walked around the room greeting everybody. So that warmed the room up because some people just get on stage and they start performing and you guys kind of have this, I don't know where you get it from, but this, this just etiquette mm -hmm. and it makes you want to, you know, you're it's like, you're telling someone I'm going to perform and I like your cooperation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I mean, it, it is at the end of the day, a, a joint experience. I mean, every show, every, you know, sporting event you go to is, it's a different, unique experience. And I think if you acknowledge, you know, the fans, the guests, the people in the room, it makes the experience that much more special for you as a, as a performer, as an entertainer and for them as a, as a member in the audience. So, you know, it, it's fun to do that fun to, and sometimes people will say, Hey, you know, any, uh, you know, Al Green or, you know, any, you know, Sarah Vaughn or, you know, right. throw things out and then you'll mess with them. Like, nah, I never heard of that dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you go up there and surprise them with something. Yeah. That's dope. Know? Yeah. So what, so this, this is a question for both of you guys. Uh, you can answer each at a time. So let's see. Uh, what did you take from your last job that you, that you can apply, that you've applied mm -hmm. to this um, new position that you're doing? One of the big, big, big things. Um, when I was at where my, my previous job, I was so passionate about the customer service end of things. And not everybody on staff felt that way or even understood the magic of it. And I'd probably get in trouble for, you know, giving a little bit too much of a discount, you know, for a particular situation. But they kept coming back because of that guest experience. So I remember when we first started, I, I, Siddiqui kind of had the same vision too, but it was really about make sure we, make sure we connect with, with the people who inquire about our services and make them feel special, go the extra mile, give them a thank you gift, you know, whatever it is to really make that first impression or that our, their experience with us so memorable that they come back or they tell their friends um, so if anything, I'd say that the other job, um, welcomed that passion and allowed me to really exercise and see the fruits of that. And when I saw that this works, so I was more than happy to bring that over to acute inflections. <laughs> All right. Siddiqui, what about you? Um, so in, in the mortgage world, there's a, uh, or there was a, a big uh, difference in how a bank is viewed versus how a mortgage broker is viewed and in terms of like credibility and reputation and what seems more legitimate, like I'm going to get my mortgage from Chase there, you know, that's my bank. They're on the corner. That broker, he might've been in business 40 years, but he's just some guy working out of a small office. You know, people viewed him to be more shady. So when we got into this, I realized right away that there's that same sort of issue where the, the public is not comfortable booking entertainment directly. You know, they'd, they'd rather you be under, you know, a record label or be with an entertainment company, you know, so they don't, they don't think you can handle your business. So I think, you know, I brought over from the mortgage world, like we're going to build this thing up from the ground up so that it demands respect, that anything you look at our social media, our website, you know, the way we look when we perform, how we interact with the audience, everything's going to scream to you like, I just trust these guys. This is, you know. This is legit. Even if it's not under Sony, I'm I'm comfortable booking this directly, and you know, just building a building a brand, building a business that um, you know that that reads right away as something authentic. So, um, in in the mortgage business, that's what that's what they they, they taught you guys to do to like make. It. Yeah. So the, uh, I went through a lot of training on how to make your your broker shop, you know, basically compete with the bigger banks as far as credibility in the community. What are some of the things that they they had you guys do? Um. Uh, you know, like let's say sponsor like a, a softball game or, um, you know, food drives, do seminars, 
Um, but also, you know, just like, let's say a, a mortgage dealer, go to the closing, meet your clients, you know, shake their hands. But uh, just be a person, have style, you know, dress appropriately, get your car washed once a week. You know, it's just all the little things add up, you know. Would you guys say that when you're when you're interacting with fans, how do you how do you how do you keep like sort of a barrier between you and the fans? Because let's say you might have a fan and they might think that because they've seen you perform a couple of places now that they want your full attention all the time. Has that ever happened to you guys? Mm -hmm. And how do you handle it? We kind of have cues that we give between each other so that one can take the fall and say, Oh, um, like for instance, he'll say, the diva needs me to go do this. So, you know, excuse me a moment, you know, and if we're both together, we'll even say, um, we want to make, we want to make our rounds and get to everyone. Um, so excuse us a moment, but thank you for being here. And, um, we'll try to connect with you again in a few moments, but, you know, bring in, bring the, bring up the fact that there are other people here that we would like to also connect with, give them that chance that you have right now. That's so funny. And, and that's, that's a good way to do it. And I never would, to think to do that because um, um, one of the things that I've done is in doing photography, I've shot weddings. And one of the, the most difficult parts of it to me is getting the bride and the groom to pose for stuff because di different people want their attention. Mm -hmm. And I definitely have been on in a place where I told the bride and groom that, listen, if you don't pose for these pictures, then we're not going to ever have anything <laughs> for you guys because the people were there at every step of it. Like even when we were doing the, you know, that part when the bride and groom are somewhere um, away from everybody else. Mm -hmm. There's a friend there still trying to get their attention. Mm -hmm. And so I wish they would have handled like that. I wish I would have known you guys at that <laughs> point. Cause I, would, I wouldn't think to even say that to somebody because you know, I think what happens is people are afraid to offend, especially nowadays, people are afraid to offend yeah. the client. Like I've definitely been in situations, um, even up to recently where a client that I was dealing with said, complained to like a friend, that, a mutual friend that she felt I was brushing her off. Like I did some work for her. I changed a lot of different things for this person, edited it, did whatever I needed to do, but they wanted to go over every little piece of it with me. And I'm like, listen, if you could just look it over and I'm, and I was already past the point of editing this thing. I said, but just out of respect, and I told her this, but what you can do is you can make the points that you want me to edit. And then I will go back and systematically edit, edit every part of it and then send it back to you. No, she wants to be on the phone with me and go over line by line or meet up. I'm like, I don't have that time. So this person ended up not being a client of mine anymore. But for me, I was always concerned. And I think people are concerned with what is that kind of atmosphere of like, the when is the customer not right? <laughs> or, how do you, or how do you do it? And, and like how you guys just eloquently put it, tell them there are other people that need your attention and right. you can't just be, you know, hogging my time. There's been times, sorry, I don't know if you, um, there's been times that we've had to turn down something and would, we would say, unfortunately we are unavailable to do this, but we are more than happy to present subs to you that, you know, they're available. What, what, what would make you turn down something? Um, <laughs> I mean, many reasons. Sometimes without, without getting you in any yeah, kind without of getting water. us in trouble. I mean, sometimes <laughs> it's a budgetary issue. You know, you okay. you, you know, you got to know your worth. Um, but there there are times when someone will say to us, "Hey, I think you guys are worth a million bucks. I just don't have it. You know, this is the kind of job I work. This is the kind of venue, and I'm a huge fan. And if you guys decide to do it for me, great. And you know, 
sometimes we'll talk and we'll just say like, hey, that person's come to 20 shows over the last five years, you know, so we're going to do them a favor and do this wedding. But conversely, it might be someone who has the money and just has a terrible attitude. And we've had to tell people like that, hey, I know you have the budget and it's a beautiful venue and it's a beautiful celebration, but we don't feel like you respect and, and view us as equals. You know, you're not hiring a janitor and even the janitor deserves the respect, you know, exactly. but we refuse to, to bring art to your celebration under this, these circumstances, you know, like it needs to be artists. I think, especially in a city like New York, um, there's so many of us that we've kind of collectively allowed ourselves to be devalued. And we do need to take that back. And, you know, to this conversation, I think setting boundaries as artists all the way around is, a, is a, an important way to do that. Like to defend one yes, you have to be prepared to say a thousand no's, you know, say no to all the things that aren't right or, you know, aren't, uh, I, I guess like encouraging, you know, you want to feel safe. You want to be excited to, to bring your art, to express yourself, to, to right. have your passion there. You know, if they're not feeding you or paying you or taking care of you or whatever, and you already have a bad taste in your mouth before the event even starts, you shouldn't be there. You know, no, I, I definitely know the feeling and seeing, you know, you guys, you guys, the way you present yourselves, like I, I was kicking myself when I saw you guys coming in <laughs> to the event the other day because I was like, I had just did my birthday and I did a Gatsby theme and I would have loved to have you guys perform at <laughs> that. I mean, that would have just taken the party to another level. And I, and I told my girlfriend about you guys and we went to the page and she was like, well, we just got to do another party. <laughs> so, like, so definitely. Smart girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So definitely she, she just like, and she didn't even see you guys like, like I see you. Like she hasn't felt Cause I feel like you have to be at the venues to feel what's there because you can look online, you can see photos. People tell me all the time, oh, I saw you online, Glenn, or I saw this person over here. <laughs> it's nothing like being in the presence of people who are genuine and who know their craft and also know people. Because you, 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 um, you have a bunch of things that I think that I know will make you guys successful. So one is the attitudes, the, the way you present yourselves. And also the way you handle the business aspect of it. And, and it's all seamless. I've seen people with, who, who have the talent, but not the drive or not the understanding of business. And I've seen, and you know, so they don't understand that, for example, this is not a, this is a marathon. Yeah. So you could, you could be sprinting and get all the big jobs and then be missing all the other stuff. But the marathon runner understands that every part of the mission is building them to the next point. Mm. So I feel that that's who you guys are. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, and, um, I don't know if I asked you guys this. So when um, I I know you, uh, uh, let's see, I know you as a performer. So I seen you, I seen you perform in Fela, and I didn't realize you were a singer until one day I I shot you. Oh, uh, I don't know if you I don't know if you remember when I shot you. I d we did a few shoots. <laughs> we did a I few think. shoots, but I didn't know you were a singer. I didn't mm -hmm. didn't know. Because uh, one thing is you didn't, you just never really told me until I, and I heard you singing and it was just like, it took me a while to get used to the fact, because you know, sometimes people tell you that they sing, because you asked me to shoot a show and I thought it was going to be a dancing show. And they said, no, I'm singing. And I was like, what? And then you were singing. Because you had even given me the track beforehand, but I was like, somebody doctored this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I seen you oh, sing man. live, I was like, I don't know if I ever told you that, but it kind of blew my mind because yeah. the way you control the stage, and the audience, 
And I believe that at one point people were like thinning out in the front. You was like, no, come to the front. Everybody, I want all the energy. Mm. And you just were good at just making people do what you wanted to do. You was like a different person to me. Uh. So wh- where does that, where was that all the time? Like I didn't always see that from you. Uh. There was a time where I didn't see that and then it just came out, of, it, it seemed to come out of nowhere. Maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> well, I'm kind of going back into that time period a little bit too. I think... I know that that's there, but when you don't really have the outlet, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I was always b- being told no, or you're too this, or you're too that. And so the show you're referring to, no one said no to me. So just whatever was lying dormant just lives. But even now, and I completely forgot about that side of, I guess, ability. Yeah. Because um, I know that we tap into it now with uh, acute inflections, and um, I almost thought that it was all here, <laughs> but forgetting that it also happens back then too sometimes. Um, honestly, really just connecting to the moment just feels like it unleashes another realm of energy and experience it's like you transformed into somebody else if i could put it <laughs> i'm not kidding like i i look at you and it's like sometimes i don't remember that you're the same person that i knew and you know it's funny because sometimes people people can't understand how they could you know they can know somebody at, at one point and not understand what they've become right mm-hmm. but i could i could see it visually and i and i embraced that like i, I like there was things about you that i always liked and then but the new you incorporates some of the old you. You look the same. Mm-hmm. Um, the energy's different, and it's definitely bigger. The energy's like it's like it's bigger. It's like it's not contained in anything. If that makes any sense to you, it does. And I actually want to thank you on the air <laughs> for um, r- respecting and appreciating what you did see. You know, I feel like a lot of people in my life judged or assumed. Oh, she's just, it's not really that deep. She's, she's not really that whatever. Right. You know, so thank you for looking at the whole picture and not taking one thing and running off with it in negativity. So thank you for that. Right. No, but but I feel like as artists, uh, myself included, there are people that will look at what you do and so on one hand, they're happy for what you do. Like they're proud to know you. I know this person. I'm proud to know them. But at the same time, it's like they got they have a backhand word slap at you. That's like, yeah, you're good, but you're not. You're not that good. Because yeah. <laughs> I've definitely felt that people they 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 don't. I don't think that they realize what they do. Like I've had people tell me that you know, well, yeah, you're really good at what you do. But I mean, come on, like you know, there's a lot of people that do what you do. And what people don't understand is, but there's nobody like you. There's nobody like me. There's nobody like you. We're all individuals. So whatever we bring, like whatever you bring and what you guys bring together is different than just what anybody else brings. So that's why I couldn't say to you, well, I got this other singer and she's in the this guy, they got a whole band and they're only going to charge me 50 bucks. So I don't understand oh why, uh, why you guys charge so much. So I, so I don't know where that comes from. I really don't. Um, I don't know if it's because people when they think they know you, they think they know all of you, but they don't, they're not willing to think that there could be a side that you keep hidden 
for you. I, mean, I, I, I might get in trouble for speaking on it, but you know, I do. Get, uh, get I do in trouble, Dicky. <laughs> That's what I do. I stay in trouble, but um, I believe in our community, and you know, our community. I mean, our community. Our community. Yeah, there, there's there's a there's an unfortunate pattern that we're stuck in, you know, of of holding each other down, of like being quick, like crabs in a barrel kind of thing. Right. And instead of encouraging each other and being inspired by each other and inspiring each other and helping each other climb together, it's always like, ah, he all right, but I could do that too. Or I'm better so-and-so this. So right. she look at her acting all uppity, you know, and that, you know, that, that's, that's unfortunate. And it's something we need to change where, you know, not, not to say you don't ever offer someone constructive criticism, but if you are going to criticize someone, make sure you're also going to present some potential solutions, you know, say like, Hey man, you know, I saw how you were, shooting this why don't you try this lens you know I, I didn't really i think you could have gotten a more dramatic shot here instead of just being like bro you're not that nice on a camera you know like that's that's what yeah. that's the angle people yeah. take and it's like hey thank you for for expressing your thoughts is there something you'd like to say that can actually help or do you just want to tell me you don't like you know sometimes we get that online where people are like that's not really jazz and it's like right. cool jazz police i mean if you're into <laughs> what they did in the 30s and 40s and you don't want it to sound any different that's great go listen to it you know go find someone who's doing that and and tell them i love your music but mm -hmm. if you're going to comment on our stuff you can say whatever you want you know right but why not offer some positive feedback to someone you know well you know i think it's beyond some people especially people who i forget the quote how it goes but if you're not in an arena it's hard for you to understand. Like when you're not in that arena, you're not fighting the fight and you're on the side somewhere and you, and, and you hear these people all the time at, at basketball games. We are gonna take it this year. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. You're not gonna do anything. <laughs> you sit on a couch, you eat Cheetos. The person who's done, who's doing stuff has been doing it since they were 15, 10 years old. They putting all of the stuff out there. You are, a fan right. or you are a person that is an observer. Right. So I listen to the people who give me advice, but within reason to yeah. what you can do and what you have done. Sometimes I ask this one lady said, what have you been doing? Last time I saw you, you said you were going to be doing this. And I told her everything that I was doing. I said, I started a, a clothing line. I sold 150 pieces. I started the, the documentary. I'm 80% finished. I said, the I'm, I'm on episode seven of the 95 Killers podcast. Now this is number 10 or 11, I forget mm. at this point. And she, she just looked silent. And I said, now what have you been up to? She was like, well, you know, I, oh, well, I'm just kind of moving. I'm just, uh, you know. So it's, it's, it's easy. Like I, I put a lot of pressure on myself, but the people that will put pressure on you guys or on me, they don't put, if they put an ounce of that on themselves, mm. yeah. they would be doing more and they wouldn't be so quick to judge you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? But it's easy to point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's easy. I think even that night when you guys were there, they were like, well, I see the girl, but who that guy? And I'm like, this guy made a comment. You hear that? Yeah, you hear that? Yeah, yeah, and I had yeah, to yeah. check him. I was like, listen, first of all, <laughs> I was like, uh, that's a unit. And when I see a unit, like, you know how difficult it is to work with somebody you are seeing? Mm. you know what i'm saying i was like so i, I this dude was like oh you know them pretty well i'm like no i'm just saying like regardless of the fact that i know them my point is that when you see solid don't interject 
your negativity. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the guy stopped talking to me, but yeah. I'm like, I just don't like to hear that kind of stuff. And you, and by the way, you hear that in all communities. Like, I know our community, we have a little bit of that, but I'm telling you something. One of the, I don't want to get myself in trouble now, <laughs> but um, uh, one of the people that was working with me, I just leave it at that, initially on the onset of this whole production, you know, started to feel himself, started to get bossy, mm. started to, you know, cause I was giving him an, an, an um, a situation where this thing's gonna grow and you could be right there and I can help you grow your business as well alongside of mine. But you know, sometimes people listen to other people yeah. or they start to feel themselves or, and I remember one time he said something really like, he said, okay boss to me, call me okay <laughs> boss. I'm like, and I told him, I said, don't forget at one point I worked under you mm. and I never spoke to you like that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. So how, how is it that I could work under you, right? That's but okay. you cannot work under me? Yeah, That's how the world is. Sometimes now like- Why can't we work together? Why can't we work together? Yeah. No, but you know, but the thing about it is sometimes I'm gonna be working under you. That's yeah. just how it is. Right. And my point is that every leader at some point had to follow. And yeah. even if you're a leader, like I believe it was um, uh, Puff Daddy used to work under Andre Harrell. And at one point he hired Andre Harrell. Mm. And Andre Harrell had to work under him and, and manage his company for him. So my point is, you have to be able to understand that all this stuff like like is temporary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like our whatever it is, happiness is temporary. Yeah. It can be temporary and we can get back to it. Yeah. So I don't think that any position should be you're just that way right. forever. Right. And so that's what I feel. Um question. So what what are some of the things that um that you guys see yourselves doing going forward with with the business, with the brand, one at a time? <laughs> uh, I like this part. We want to produce shows. We want to write films. We want to write. If we can write a couple of Broadway shows, we'll do that. You know, to it. So off, I can, no, you <laughs> will. He said off Broadway. No, on Broadway. Like, I'm putting yes. out there. On, we're gonna aim high on Broadway. <laughs> we definitely want to be involved in fashion and um, mentor other upcoming artists to be entrepreneurial in their pursuits you know not just go and be hired by somebody under someone but but run your own business mm. um i think you can talk about what you're gonna do with um with those bass players out there uh, I, um save I'm, the bass players yeah <laughs> i mean i just humbly speaking i think we've stumbled upon something or been led to you know, to do something musically that, you know, it, it seems simple when you view it quickly, you know, and then as you sit there and really observe, you realize like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like it's combining so much of the excellence of different genres and fusing them into its own thing. So, you know, down the road, you know, the way she's singing, you know, uh, kind of combines the rhythmic precision of, of what a rapper can do you know, like placing words on the exact right beats and, you know, building patterns to kind of get you to groove because, you know, there's no drums, there's no, nothing else to really. Right. So you're maximizing just the voice, you know, to, to build up this feel. And similarly with the bass. Um, and then, you know, also not being bound by, by genres or convention of how this is the instrument supposed to be played. You know, like you can smack it here, you can do whatever, you know, you, it's your instrument, do whatever you want. If it sounds cool, try it, you know. Um, but like what she was saying, I, I didn't grow up wanting to be a bass player. You know, when I was in high school, I was, you know, high school football player and running track and just being in shape helped me play a lot better. 
And, you know, I look at a lot of musicians and a lot of artists and it's like, hey, man, you got to, you know, take care of your body. Like both of us try to stay fit. There's a lot more that we need to do. We're, you know, taking steps every day. But the more fit we get, the more our art's able to to flow through us, you know. And th- this is, you know, this is the body you got, you know. So if you keep right. it, if you keep it together, it could, it could do some great things. But it's not if you're going to put 12 hours a day into just your art, you know. Feed yourself, yeah. go for a run, go swimming, you know. Go get some fresh air and some sunlight and stop eating Cheetos <laughs> and stop hating and stop watching things that, Don't. you know, kind of dumb you down, you know? Right. It's like something that, it's so funny you touched on that because I just shot an IGTV before you came here. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I'm talking about. And one of the things is that people, like a lot of the people who are, who have the mantle or, or who have the light at this point, they are pushing this uh, team no sleep business. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something. Uh, one of the things that I mentioned is that at some point you don't get your sleep, there's slept deprivation, yeah. there's muscle loss, there's hair loss, there's uh, you make bad decisions. So some of the things that I read on Instagram or on Facebook, I'm going to attribute some of that, guys, to that you need some sleep. Yes. Uh, I'm serious yes. because you start to be in this in weird yeah. state. Yeah. You're trying to get your business going. You're on. You're running on zero sleep, and then you're saying and doing things that doesn't even really push your crash forward. So yeah. everything that I, I do, I ask myself, how is this bringing it forward? Mm-hmm. How does this bring your 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 life forward? Not just your craft, but make you, like I believe I put in my business plan, my relationship is part of that. Mm. So what sense does it make to be a successful artist and then the person you're with is miserable? You guys are miserable. Yeah. Yeah. So I believe, you know, like you said, getting your, your exercise in, making time for the person that you're with. Yeah. Uh, staying off social media when you're bored or you're super tired or you're stressed Mm. and talking to somebody like a counselor if you need help you know i don't think facebook (laughs) facebook is not the place to air out (laughs) yo i don't feel like being here anymore somebody's gonna say well hurry up and go out like i think somebody said that you know recently uh there was a i don't know if it's true or not but there's a boxer who's a little bit uh, i think it's i I hope i don't don't get this wrong but now i'm not gonna say his name because i'm not 100 sure yet but i heard this so this boxer that's a little arrogant, always been pushy and kind of arrogant running around. He put on his Instagram or somewhere that he didn't want to be here anymore. But because he talked so much crap, mm-hmm. the internet went on top of him and was like, mm-hmm. well, hurry up, get it over, get it done. <laughs> wow. So I would tell anybody listening, I mean, that's a joke right now. Oh I mean, that that people did that. But I mean, seriously, if you have an issue, mm-hmm. don't. Don't, don't put it on social media. No, it's the last place. <laughs> it's the last it's not a safe haven, people. No, no, <laughs> no. Definitely need to share with somebody that you know loves you mm-hmm. and can be transparent with you too because people like to hear other people's dirt but not willing to share their dirt. They keep their stuff private. You know how many yeah. people follow me or follow you yeah. and their stuff is private? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They know everything about you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you don't know anything about them. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what What would you say is, like if you could talk to your younger self and let's say 14, 15 year old, what, would, what advice would you give yourself about business, life that you think would have been helpful? Ooh. <laughs> and I think about it every time I think about my failure days. Yeah, but the knowledge talking. we know about now with finances and money and growing that, oh man, you know how many stocks I would have invested in or properties while doing Fela. So I'd say to the younger me, save your money or try to find a way to invest or grow your money. Do not get in debt 
you know, like having power over your finances is such a liberating thing and you're not too young to learn it. And I know I wish that I, I was always curious, but nobody else was really hungry enough around me to even get guidance from them. Right. You know, so even my goddaughter, I was trying to get her into, you know, having five, five envelopes, one um, or four envelopes. Let's say it's four envelopes. Mm-hmm. 25% of your dollar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 25 cents goes into the thing you want to do for fun. 25 cents goes towards something you're saving for. Mm. Another 25 cents goes towards education. You I know, like, like so like, you know, like yeah, little, little things. things to, to, and even the division of it is more so, so that you feel like you're living a balanced life where you're getting your education, you're having your fun, you're saving your money for long-term whatever. And yeah, you know, just yeah. having that kind of power. What about you? Um, I, I think I would tell my younger me, don't be scared of making mistakes. You know, I think a lot of people want to, oh, if I could do it all over again, I wouldn't make the mistakes. And I would say the mistakes are very important. I mean, it's, it's how you learn. But, you know, more importantly, make sure you learn. Don't keep making the same mistakes. And then um, one thing I, I learned, but maybe a little late, is apologize for, for the result. You know, a lot of people like to be like, well, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. You feel that way, blah, blah. It's like, hey, man, if I said something that hurt you, Glenn, I'm sorry I hurt you. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like, hey, well, I didn't know that you, <laughs> that's not what it is. It's not, you know, it's not right. about the intention, you know, it, it, there's too much focus on that. And we need to kind of, you know, come back to the, the facts, you know, the facts are the results, you know, it doesn't matter if you left home early and you intended to get to work on time, just say, I'm sorry, I got here late, period. Right, and, and now and, moving forward, I'm going to make sure I, you know, do something different so I can get here on time. So, you know, those are probably the things. Make make your mistakes, but learn from them, and then learn apologize for what you actually did. Right, and so what I'm getting from you with that is that more so atoning, right? Because people nowadays, like for me, apologies. People have been throwing apologies out, and then the, I'm like, save the apology if their if their behavior. Re- remains the same right right so they people apologize to me all the time yo bro sorry i did that to you right. man and then they like yo and i did that to you again and i'm gonna keep on cash, doing that you know? to you man so for me i'm like yeah it's more about for me is a tone like if you really sorry you don't gotta even apologize for me i'm mm. very like i'm good with it mm. just change your behavior yes so that you don't do it to somebody else or you don't mess up because a lot of people messed up situations with me but you don't have to mess up stuff with other people mm. If you atone for it, right. just change your the behavior that got you in that place yeah. because you're going to lose a lot of good people. Right. Uh, and to your point, uh, let's see, about what you were saying about, I feel like when when it comes down to money, right, it's not talked about in the com- in our communities, yeah. right? And But one thing I got to say is that you, you know when you really start to focus and hone in on your money, like I see you guys are doing now and you got this thing and it's great because you guys have purpose you found it now without a purpose all the saving in the world you just there's nothing to save it for like when i don't like we were talking about that earlier when i didn't have a purpose to do yeah i had a lot of money to spend because it wasn't really going towards anything like i believe somebody said um successful people plan for generations ahead and unsuccessful people plan for saturday Mm -hmm. so now you could tell that you're doing what you got to do. You're not planning for Saturday. You're mm-hmm. talking about making this an infrastructure. I hear you got, I hear the language you're using. That is a, a testament that you are, what you're planning is bigger than yourselves. Yeah. And you know that already, educating people, giving back, mentoring. Um, my boy, um, Joe Styles, we were talking the other day and he was saying how successful people leave footprints 
So you're already mentoring mm. right now. This podcast is a mentoring, like your words are a mentoring mm. to somebody. Somebody's listening to this and they're going to say, oh man, that person, they may not have the, the guts to tell you, but just know that I noticed you and I see what you're doing. And it's, it's bigger than, you know, there's a lot of people I know who are musicians, but you know, like I said, they haven't found that thing yet. Mm. that that anchor that's like okay well this is what i'm doing for the community and myself and the, the next generation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so y'all doing that with the style you're getting people ready with the style right because that's one of the things that i do like people will ask you well, where are you going life is a celebration yeah. so with the style i see you doing it the way you carry yourselves and the way you run your business you already are mentoring people mm. to me thank you <laughs> <laughs> and so i have a final question and then we're going to wrap it up the question is, when you started out this whole mission and what you were doing, did you did you anticipate it growing to this size? Because I've seen you guys in like a couple articles and stuff. Did you see that or did you just feel like, let me try it out and see what happens? Or did you just know you guys knew? I, I, I'm going to say I didn't <laughs> I didn't see anything coming. You know, I, I, I love it. But I know personally as just a you know, I won't say a snob, but I like what I like. And then if I don't like it, I'm like, I just don't think that's, I don't think that's that dope. But I did think that, you know, in our, in her, in her apartment in Harlem, sometimes when we were just jamming and, you know, improvising, I'm like, this is just dope. I know, I know in my mind, I'm like, nobody's going to like this, but I think this is kind of crazy. So what? I like what y'all did. Crazy. I'm, I'm glad, yeah. Talk about. Well, well now, you know, Hey, I'll take right, it. But right. in the moment I didn't know. You didn't know. I felt that this, could be. I, I've always felt that it could be something. I didn't know what the end goal was, but I felt that even if this this could probably just be a stepping stone towards another, I guess, big goal or big achievement. But this in itself has so many different branches to it. So I do. I I I will say <laughs> that I saw it. Didn't know how. Didn't know where and when but so, something smelled very you smell it. You got interesting it. about this <laughs> okay okay i hear that um so lastly uh, if you guys have any uh anything you want to add before we end or do you guys want to want to add the folks yeah to come check out one of our shows you know <laughs> <laughs> well you got to plug where, where they can find you that's uh, important so like how they find you? I mean, for a casual, and I do that with quotations, casual listening experience would be four seasons. You can have a conversation. You know, it's kind of background music, but you can listen to it as well. But I think the real gems are the the shows we're working on uh, and for a listening room, an electric psychology show, and then for the holidays, we're doing something at Rockwood. And uh, both of those are pretty fun, interactive with the audience. How can they find it? On, on, on Instagram? Like, uh, Yeah, you, you can check out social me media at Acute Inflections or on our website, acuteinflections.com. Um, okay. yeah. And if I'm to leave anything with you, don't be afraid to take risk. If you want to start your own business or leave your job to do something new or whatever, risk are the only ways you'll actually get to the places of success. If you don't jump, you will not know the beautiful things on the other side of the fence. So take your risk. And I would say that too. Yes, take risks. Um, risks are definitely what's going to get you to the next level. And I see that you guys have, 
I don't even think it's a risk because what I see is just like it goes together so well that it was actually a calculated risk. It wasn't just some. <laughs> it wasn't just a risk out in the dark. Oh yeah, so. yeah. Be be wise about it. But you're not. <laughs> if you can't sing now, don't just go listen yeah. to what she's telling you now, guys. <laughs> okay, so let me let me refine that. You ain't got then. no skills. <laughs> I refine that consciously. <laughs> take your take your risks or or take your steps in order to achieve the next thing the next yeah. great thing i know what you mean i was messing around okay. <laughs> i didn't want nobody jumping off an actual <laughs> building <laughs> all right guys thank you for coming out and i appreciate you coming on this podcast and blessing us with these gems yeah likewise thank man thank you yes thanks for having us peace Thank you for tuning in to this episode of 9-5 Killers Podcast with Acute Inflections. If you want to know more about this amazing duo, you can check the episode notes below. I just would like to make another quick announcement. 9-5 Killers, in addition to being on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher, we are now available on iHeartRadio. And that's thanks to all of you guys for you know your submissions and, and just listening into us. We really appreciate you. You can also follow us at 95killers on Instagram. Go to Instagram, follow us over there, leave DMs about how we can make the show better, what you want to see more of. And if you're just a killer or a killer in the making, please DM us your story and we will reach back out to you in a timely manner. So thank you for tuning in once again and you have a blessed day. Peace.